You are listening to I Can't Wait to Tell You with Casey Edward featuring Jesse Harless, episode 87. Welcome to I Can't Wait to Tell You, a podcast I created to share with you my knowledge, stories, and experiences on spirituality, food, health, mindset, and on life in general. My goal is to tell you everything I wish I had known when I decided to take control of my reality and start living the life of my dreams. We all deserve to make some magic, so let's jump right in because there are so many things I can't wait to tell you. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of I Can't Wait to Tell You. I am your host, Casey Edward. I am so grateful for all of you tuning in. I think I say that every episode, and I just want to let you know that I mean it. Even though we are not talking face-to-face, I really do just feel like we're having a chat in my living room and that I'm just talking to all my pals. (laughs) So I just wanted to let you know that I'm so appreciative for every single one of you who listen and even though I don't see you in person, I, I just feel like I know you, and I'm sure that you feel the same because I talk a lot on this podcast. So anyways, all of that appreciation being said, I have a wonderful interview episode for you today. I am so excited about this one. It is with Jesse Harless, the founder of Entrepreneurs and Recovery. So I actually found out about Jesse a few weeks ago on a Scare Your Soul member call, and my intuition was just like, yes, have Jesse on the show. And the reason that I was so excited to start to look into what Jesse does further, besides what he told us on the call, was because everything was so conducive with what I talk about on the show. Like his website talks about inner guidance system and intuition and how that's his biggest tool in his tool belt and all of these things. And I was like, wow, this is phenomenal. So this is one of my favorite episodes to date because we just talk about so many relevant things. But some of the things we get into in this episode specifically are Jesse's second chance at life and how he is making the most of it, what Entrepreneurs in Recovery is and how and why Jesse started it, how Jesse's intuition is his most utilized tool, why our logical minds shouldn't be the ones calling the shots, how to set big goals and stay on track with them, and so much more. So without further ado, let's get to the episode with Jesse. All right, everyone. So today I am so excited because I'm here with Jesse Harless, a coach, an author of the book, Smash Your Comfort Zone with Cold Showers, and the founder of Entrepreneurs in Recovery. Jesse helps people learn to trust their inner guidance system, which actually couldn't be more cohesive with this show's mission, and does everything from helping people to expand their self-awareness and uncover strengths to create new possibilities and help them reach their full potential. There is so much I'm so excited to dive into today. So Jesse, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Casey. I'm excited to dive deep. Yeah. So let's just start off with why don't you tell us a little bit about what Entrepreneurs in Recovery is, what it does, and also how it was birthed, how it began. Yeah, I'll try to give this short, short version (laughs) of it. Um, Essentially, Entrepreneurs in Recovery is a result of me going through my recovery journey from, from, I want to say life, but drugs, alcohol, 
um, internet pornography, online games. Mm-hmm. Um, but really the stuff that was going to kill me was the, was the drugs and alcohol. And so that, that journey started in uh, 2005 in December and that, um, I got a second chance, um, in 2005, uh, 2006. Now I got a second chance and that second chance, um, I'm, I'm not going to blow it this time, you know, um, and this, <laughs> and this time around. So I, um, yeah, I got, I got a second chance. And so I really started to just ask myself, you know, what's the right, what's the next right thing I need to do every single day. I, that was my daily affirmation at 22 years old. I was like, what's the next right thing? What's the next right thing? And that's, that's what I would ask. And it seems like the next right thing would always come. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what I did is I worked for a company for um, a long time. And after, after about 12 years, 13 years with the company, I started to read new books and I started to surround myself with new mentors. And these mentors were thinking a lot bigger than I had ever thought of. Mm-hmm. And these mentors showed me um, a different way of life. They showed me like, um, an entrepreneurial pursuit of what that can do for you. And I was like, wow, I wonder what that would be like if I became an entrepreneur, what would I do? And so these seeds were planted. And then after um, joining a certain mastermind that I took a big risk to join, um, I, I just had this epiphany coming to me. Actually, it didn't exactly happen like that. What happened is someone actually handed me a card and he said, go ahead and write your biggest goal of the year on this card. And I said, okay. And then he says, after you write it, I'm going to take a picture of it and then I'm going to text it to you so I can mm-hmm. keep check up on you. And so what I wrote in the card was write my first book. Mm-hmm. And this is in 2017 in March. Mm-hmm. So I, I put write my first book and then I crossed that off. <clears throat> and then I wrote write two books, cross that off. And then I said, what's the biggest goal that's going to scare me? Like what's going to, what scares me more than anything? And it was leaving my job. It didn't even make sense. It's like, what would I do? No one in my family are entrepreneurs. There is no entrepreneurs in my family. I'd be the first to do it. Like, what does that even mean? But I wrote it. I said, leave my nine to five job, be my own boss, August 30th, 2017. Mm. And so I had just landed my dream job at my job I was in, literally. And so it made no sense to leave. And I left. (laughs) So, uh, you know, so I left my job five days before the date I wrote. Mm -hmm that card and you know w- going back um to so that was august going back to april is, is i actually in a meditation this name came to me entrepreneurs in recovery mm-hmm. and so i kind of researched it make sure no one had that name and i said well that would be the name of my business then if i leave my job in august that's the name of my business but i know it's interesting the universe seems to conspire to help you when you really put yourself out there and trust your intuition and I had no, there was no way I was going to leave my job unless like certain numbers of factors lined up mm-hmm. and everything lined up for me to leave the job. And things like my best friend were eating across from each other and he says, Hey, I know you're going to leave your job. Like it was no big deal. Like I know you're going to leave your job in two months. Like, why don't you sell your house? If you're serious, you'll sell your house. You know, your the house that you bought because you, you know, it, that was a big deal. I bought my mm-hmm. first home. It was just a big win for my my, myself, my confidence and just showing, um, how great, like, um, you know, the, the, the power that can happen when you just put your, give your life over to, uh, power greater than yourself and just really just starting to really plug and dive deep. And I said, sell my house. And I'm like, 
oh my God, that's brilliant. And so I put my house on the market the month later and it sold in three days first offer. And so like, that's how I knew that I was supposed to leave my job three days. First offer. My employer had no idea. I was like, I put my house on the market sold in three days. I, it sold for way more than I ever thought possible. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh my God, I am definitely leaving. And there's a feeling that happens when you make a decision, when you make a decision that you're going to do it, you're going to go all in, you're going to leave the job or whatever big decision you're going to make. Something happens inside of you, like this new energy that wakes you up in the morning starts to be there. And that's what happened. And it has never stopped since that date. And so, wow, that was the back. So that was a short, shorter version of the longer version of the backstory. But I left my job to start Entrepreneurs Recovery, which was simply going to be me coaching people Mm. that were looking to instill better habits in their life for them to to just to realize their innate potential and their inner resilience that's already inside them. Mm. It was really just to awaken them because that's all that happened to me. I put some work in, of course, but ultimately I just awakened to my full potential that I realized I had that I <clears throat> lied to myself that I, I wasn't worth anything because, oh, I'm, a, I'm an addict, I'm a felon, I'm X, Y, Z, all these labels, mm-hmm. which are just the ego. And I realized like, oh my God, I'm none of those things. And <clears throat> I started to, to go the different direction. So, but what ended up happening is I left the job to be a coach. Yeah. And then of course, I found a training and then their training took me in a different direction and it led to the exact work I'm doing today, which is which is uh, facilitation, uh, speaking, facilitation, stuff like that. Wow. Thank you for sharing all of that. I love that you gave us all the details because sometimes we, especially for me, when I started my entrepreneurial journey, I would listen to people and I'd hear the A to B or the A to D, actually, I should say, like the A to D and I didn't know the B and the C. And I was like, wait, but how did you what? (laughs) If I'm going to leave my job though, like I meditate, but what am I supposed to do? Right? Like, so, and I love that you said that when you take those big leaps, when you step into the fear, the universe is like, here we go. I've got your back, right? Like spirit has you. So what was it like? So you, you leave your nine to five job and then you start these trainings. What was it like to just take that leap of faith? Um, it was the most exciting thing I've ever done in my life. Um, you know, I didn't, it was, it was really interesting. Like, and just to back up a moment, like one of the things I made sure of is that I had mentors and I made sure I had a life coach, you know, because if I was going to take a big jump like that, you know, it was like, Oh my God, I better have someone I can talk to who understands my dreams. Because if I told if I told anyone else that was outside of a very small group of people, they were like, are you insane? No insurance. What do you mean? Like, and they would crush my dreams. So I have to make sure, and it weren't purposely doing that. It just didn't seem rational to them. So I had to make sure I had someone I can share with. So I had a mentor, I had a life coach um, and God, I forgot what the question was now. But, oh, uh, <laughs> I just was like, yeah, don't forget that. Um, what was the question? I'm sorry. I no, you answered it. It was just, it was just, what was it like to oh. take a leap of faith? And going back to the mentor thing really quickly, actually, I'm glad you dove, in, dove into that. Sometimes now it can be honestly, just for lack of a better word, overwhelming. So how did, how did you know, oh, this is my mentor and this is the life coach for me? Well, the life coach was a very interesting, uh, my, my biggest, my biggest asset, my biggest tool, in my tool belt is my intuition. Mm-hmm. And so my, in, in 2015, I started to, um, 
I started to, to change my morning routine and my morning routine started affecting my whole day. Mm -hmm. And I started to have, um, like new habits, like cold showers. Like I started taking cold showers. Like I started getting, like, I started doing things that were just awakening. They were jump starting my day. They're awakening me. And I was, and so what, what happened was one day I had this strong intuition to look up life coaches. And cause I remembered that years prior I had read this, this bodybuilder yeah. and I was reading his, his, his life. And he said, and I got a coach and that was key. And I, and it just came to me during this epiphany and I said, let me just Google life coaches. And I literally Googled it. And like the first search that came up, I just clicked on it. And then I did the call with them, the interview, I interviewed with three coaches and one of them just sounded like a good choice. And it was like no risk really. And I started working with her. And next thing you know, I'm setting goals with the life coach. And next thing you know, I'm hitting all of the goals. And so I'm like, oh, wow, this really works. So, but then what sort of happened is, oh, I need to set bigger goals. So I was still at my job. I was still at my nine to five job. And my goal was just to become a big wig in my company. Like, oh, I'm just going to be like a vice president someday or a president, whatever. Yeah. And so that was the goal with her. But then what I started to realize is that, wait a minute, why don't I set goals that are aligned with this new this new belief that I could be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And so, and that's what happened. And, and, and I just started crushing goals. I mean, it was absurd. It, it didn't even make sense. And I think one of the biggest thing was, is that I finally had someone that wasn't a therapist, that wasn't a, a parent, that wasn't a, it was just someone who was just like a cheerleader that was just like, oh, you want to make X amount per year? Oh, okay, no problem, noted. And I'm like, oh, okay, all right. And then, and then it's like, <laughs> well, how are you going to do that? I'm like, well, this is what I think I'll do. And she's like, okay, good. I'm like, oh, all right. And then it was like setting my own life's purpose up for myself, yeah. setting myself up for success. I'm like, all right. And so I would do it. I would read the books. I would reach out mm -hmm. to the people. I would do the stuff I said I would do with the coach. Yeah. And guess what happened? It would work. And um, so obviously I'm a big fan of, of life coaching, but um, yeah, I still have a coach today. And, you know, and those coaches evolve and you try new coaches, but the, the reality is, yeah, that was a huge, huge part. Mentors, a coach, um, because some people say, well, I can't afford a coach. Well, that's not true because when I Google life coaches, I found coaches that were $25 a call. So, yeah. right. <laughs> so there's, you can find someone who wants to, yeah. to, to help you. And, um, and, uh, you might even get it for free if it's a mentor, you know, mm -hmm. just got to add value. Yeah. So is this kind of when you started to recognize that this is what you wanted to do? Were you being impacted? And so that's when you knew, or did you kind of know, know from the get-go of going into entrepreneurship, like, I want to be helping people. I want to be that person for people. Yeah, I, I definitely knew that because mm -hmm. part of recovery is, is, is service. Mm -hmm. And so I knew just the, the, the ingrained culture of recovery is like service to others, service to others, service to others. So I knew like at that point I had been uh, 12 years in my, into my recovery journey. And I just knew like, yeah, my life's purpose is to help people thrive, whether they're in recovery or not. But if they're in recovery, I can definitely help them because where I was at compared to where I am now, I definitely can help people. I knew that it was logical because I was already doing that. I already helped hundreds of men. I already knew that. So it was, right. so it was like a natural progression that the whole choice to leave my job though, to make it a, to make it a, a, a a career was a huge risk because I didn't have any proof. I was actually coaching one person when I left mm -hmm. my job. So I went, I was making over six figures yeah. and I was going from that corporate six figure job to literally a hundred dollars a month 
and which made no sense at all, right? But it doesn't make sense. Like things don't need to make sense to the mind. The mind is just the mind is just really just trying to set up a comfort zone for you. So you really got to smash through the mind, smash through all that because the mind is just going to, if we were our thoughts, I would be in a bad place today. So we're not our thoughts, <laughs> you know? So yeah. I, I always make sure that I'm tuning in through meditation, tuning in through people that I trust to say, Hey, is this valid? Is this? And it's like, Oh no, it's not. So yeah. I, I check in and yeah. So that's, yeah, no, I love that. It's funny because I've talked to nauseam on the show, on the show about how the first time I ever heard my intuition, I was standing eating a snack in the kitchen and like get this download of yoga teacher training. And I was like, what? Like I didn't really do yoga very much. And I was kind of like, but it was the first time, like I just floated over to the computer and was just called to do it. And I love that you say that the intuition is the biggest tool and tool, tool belt because we know, right? We have this innate knowing, this innate connection. We're connected to everything that is. So, but we rely so much on the logic and the logic is limited to what we know or have learned. So like you said, yeah, like we can't just rely on the thoughts that we aren't. So when you started to set goals for yourself, how would you A, decide on what goal and B, how would you know if it was big enough? Like how did you, tell us a little bit about your goal setting uh, process. Yeah. So the goal setting process started early, early, early. Mm -hmm. So I started because at 22, I was facing serious time in federal prison. I ended up having to set goals that were going to keep me out of the jail. <laughs> yeah. So I started to set goals like, okay, I got to, I got to go to this place. I got to go to my job. I got to go to this meeting. I got to check in with the PI. I got to do this. So I started to keep a calendar and I would start to write daily goals in that calendar. Well, when I didn't go to jail or prison, I was like, oh, Okay. And I just kept doing the process of setting daily goals. And then what happened was I'm like, what don't I set? Like, and I don't remember when I learned this, maybe it was like a Brian Tracy quote or something. I, I all of a sudden was like, why don't I set a one year goal? Why don't I set a six month goal? And I started doing that. Then I met my best friend and this is over 11 years ago. I met a best friend and he's living with his parents at home. I'm living with my parents at home because we had screwed our lives up. And and we were just like, hey, what if we just started setting goals and keeping each other accountable? So over 11 years ago, I, we started keeping each other accountable to goals. And they were funny goals. Like there was, okay, pray every three times, you know, whatever. It was like, like yeah. simple yeah. goals, but eventually became very serious goals. And it became mm -hmm. goals like, I'm going to buy my first home. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm going to buy my first home. And guess what happened? My best friend bought his first home. And six months later, I bought my first home. So it became real. And that was a huge impossible type of task yeah. for someone like me. And it just didn't make sense. But it happened. And that was six years into my recovery. So at six years of my recovery, I'm like, all right, what else can I do? And, and I would just set huge goals. So another huge goal was I worked at a company that had an award called President's Cabinet. It was the highest award. The only, it's 25,000 employees, yeah. only 0.7% of the company win this award. Mm -hmm. So it was very, very, and I said, I'm gonna win this award in 2014. I said, I'm gonna come into this company, I'm gonna win this award. And guess what I did? I set goals every day, every because it has to be every day. Yeah. Every day I would have a sticky note and I'd write, this is how many sales I need today to win President's Cabinet. And every day I would do that. And guess what, the end of the year came and I didn't win, so I'm like, Okay, so I let I actually let that go. Yeah. And 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 ended up winning it the next year. Yeah. And so and yeah. then when I won it the next year, that's when I, that's when started to change. That's that's when my goal started to get even bigger because when I won that goal by letting go of the daily 
I start, I let it go. I let go of like the daily stuff and I started to focus on service to others and really mentoring and helping others mm. become successful. I end up winning the goal. And then what happened is I went to Switzerland, say more at Switzerland with the president and vice president of the company. And I walked up to the vice president. I said, Hey, this is what I want to be doing in six months. And he was like, Oh, you can do that. I'm like, wow. So like my thinking kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And plus I saw another side of the world that like, was like, wait a minute, back home in New Hampshire, we're not living like this out here in Switzerland. So what's going on here? Yeah. And so I just, I started showing like, there was no, there was so much evidence to the mind to, to shut up. Like mine, get out of my way because mm -hmm. I saw something here yeah. and I experienced it. And, and so that's why the goals kept getting bigger is because they be, I, I had evidence I could prove that, okay, I achieved this goal. I achieved this goal. So no matter what my mind would come in and say, like, you're an imposter, you can't do it. Who are you to do this? I'd be like, Hey, shut up. Look what I, I just want presence cabinet. So I just shut the mind up and that's not even the ego. That's just the proof of the evidence to the ego. Totally. Like, hey, back up, back up. So, and it was more another win for the heart. Check that yes. off. Another win for the heart. So I just realized like, Oh, go to the heart, not the mind. The heart's going to guide me. The brain's going to bring me into a place of misery. So I'm like, okay. So I started to trust that more and more. And plus I surrounded myself with people who are heart centered. So they would remind me, oh, this is, this is your heart or heart brain, you yeah. know? So this is, you can tap into that. I actually heard a quote today. <laughs> this is going to sound crazy, but it's, um, if you are everything, why do you need anything? If you are everything, why do you need anything? Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, because we're always thinking we need, we need that yeah. new job. We need to write that book. We need to do that next thing. We need yeah. to launch that next product. Well, yeah, but if you are everything, then why do you need anything? And it's, it's just a reminder that the, the mind attaches to things. It attaches to labels. It attaches mm -hmm. to degrees. It attaches to just anything that it can separate you from the truth. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that that's a, I think that's an important thing is just the goals get bigger when you, and when I mean bigger, they don't become more like egocentric. They become more heart centered goals yeah. of service. And what are my unique gifts that I can serve to the world? And it became very evident what those were like Verizon, if anything, oops, I said the company, <laughs> if anything, um, I learned at my job that I was really good with connecting with people mm -hmm. and like helping them to make a decision that they didn't regret and things yeah. that made sense. And I just said, what if I just did that for as a living, but mm -hmm. I am actually not selling someone like a technology piece. I'm yeah. actually selling them like the truth of like who they are and like things that I, cause I'm a creator. I'm a 22. Mm -hmm. uh, my number's 22. It's been my number since before I was born. I'm the one of the builders. So I, I, I like to create and build. And so I, I like to bring out things and then like give them away. And then people go, wow, that really helped me. And it's like, oh, cool. Maybe I'll write a book about that. Or maybe yeah. I'll do a, a program on that. And that's much more exciting than to sell someone else's stuff. No offense. I've did that my whole life. I've been in sales selling other people's stuff. But when you start to be able to sell your own stuff, it's like, wow, it becomes really empowering. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Wow. I love literally all of that. Okay. So first of all, yes, yes to the last thing you said in terms of expansion, right? Sometimes we do have to step into that role, that nine to five, but then that's how we see the contrast of, oh, actually my expansion is doing this. And then because of that heart center, like you said, 
innately, again, we are going to grow and we are going to have bigger goals because we are everything. Why wouldn't we keep going bigger and doing more and making more money, right? Like we might, like people don't want to say that, but like doing all of these things because A, that makes our lives better. We're here to experience and joy, but B, that is service. Being an example is the ultimate level of service. And I think you also touched upon, which is important, how letting go is a key component to manifestation because if you're so needy for it, then you're vibrating at, I don't have it, but I need it, right? Like I don't have it, but I want it so bad. And that's all the universe is hearing is I don't have it. I don't have it. So I, all of that. I love that. So why don't you tell us a little bit, you touched upon morning routines. Can you tell us a little bit about your morning routines now, and then I'll get into asking you about the book because the cold shower is, I would think, still part of maybe some of your mornings. Yeah. Uh, so my morning routine, um, I always have to give a shout out when I talk about morning routines because I really didn't have a strong morning routine until in 20, 2015, I read a book called The Miracle Morning. So check mm-hmm. out The Miracle Morning by my friend Hal Elrod. Mm-hmm. So I started reading that book and that's when I became, that's when it became apparent that a morning routine routine is critical for my future success. Yeah. And so now what my morning routine looks like is <laughs> well, COVID it's, it's even inch, more interesting, but I, you know, I get up. The first thing I do is I drink water and then what I do is I stretch. So I always stretch for three to five minutes. Like it's the first thing I do. And because I have never been flexible, like I can't touch my toes to this day. Like I'm not a flexible being. So stretching just makes me feel great. So I stretch for about three to five minutes. And then what I do is I brush my teeth. I throw cold water on my face. That's the first thing I throw in cold water. Um, And then and then I get into my meditation spot. So I have a designated meditation spot. Mm-hmm. Someone call it their altar. Someone call it whatever. Mine just filled with things that remind me of who I'm, who I need to be in the world, not do. Who I need to be, and it has like it has quotes and it has intentions and it has pictures. And so I sit in my meditation spot and I do a meditation. And that meditation usually because I, I like heart math. I got certified in heart math um, recently, so I like doing their heart uh, heart locking. But I also like doing uh, uh, guided meditations too. So I, I kind of do a hybrid of I do two meditations for 20 minutes, sometimes more. Yeah. And then and then what I do is I've already wrote the night before. I already wrote out what my to dos were for the day. So what I'm doing now is taking that same journal and on the left side of the page I'm writing my intentions for the day. I'm writing what I'm grateful for. I'm writing what I appreciate about myself. And then what I'm doing is I'm writing a, a quick affirmation. And then what I do on the right side is my to-do list already written, written out. Um, but, but like, so I kind of journal, I look at my to-do list and then what I do is, um, cause I just finished the meditation. That's why I was journaling. Yeah. And then, and then I do a little reading. So I'll read from, you know, I believe, um, I believe, I believe I'm an intuitive empath. Uh, I think a lot of people are an empath and I think a lot of people in recovery from addiction or trauma are empaths too. So I, I, um, you know, some people say, oh, that's a label and you're just like, uh, clear sentience or whatever it is, but yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. The bottom line. Yeah. I resonate with some of the readings from, yeah. from different books on empaths. So like I might read a book from a, from that I'll read a book, um, you know, just something very inspiring mm-hmm. for my nourishing. Yeah. And, and then from there, um, like I said, I have like a, it's not really a vision board. It's like an intention board. And yeah. I'll kind of look at that and read stuff off that. It has quotes from all different places. 
uh, and then from there, like I might do some like rebounding, like I have a rebounder. I might reba do rebounder for 10 minutes or 20 minutes at to 20 or over 20 yet. So I need to start to practice. What's a rebounder. And then the cold, a rebounder is, it's essentially a mini trampoline. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. I just wanted to make sure. Cool. Okay. Yeah. They're awesome for this cool. COVID-19. So, <laughs> <bounce out> all <laughs> day. so cause I'm bouncing off the walls. Okay. Yeah. So I, um, yeah. And then from there, what I'll do is, you know, COVID kind of changed things. I used to travel um, mm -hmm. for work and stuff, but now I'm all my business has gone online, which is great in some ways. But I, so what I do is if I was, if it was normal, I would take a cold shower. Mm -hmm. You know, I would actually end all that routine with a cold shower and the cold shower has been a staple for five years. Um, and yeah, I think it's been about five years of cold showers and those help because cold showers and cold therapy is a way to uh, boost your, your immune system. It prevents sickness. I don't get sick anymore. And, and the way I eat, you know, I eat a, um, a, raw, a raw vegan lifestyle. So yeah. I, I don't, um, I think the combination of that is just making, you know, a huge difference in the way I show up in the world. So the cold showers were just a catalyst for me to find other habits, but it, mm -hmm. the cold showers helped me quit caffeine and that I never thought I could quit caffeine. That was like my crutch and, yeah. and they helped me quit caffeine. And they, the biggest thing the cold shower did was help me with my anxiety. That was the biggest thing that was still plaguing me at 10 years into recovery. And mm -hmm. I mean, I had a, I had a master's in psychotherapy and yeah. I still had anxiety and, and I uh, had tried everything. So when I found the cold showers and they, and they help with the anxiety. I said, wow, I'm not going to stop, stop taking these. And I still haven't. And who knows, maybe in seven years, I'll, I'll stop taking them. But I, for now, they, they work really well. Yeah. I love cold showers. I know. I actually started recently. It might've been from Scare Your Soul, which might've been inspired by you. I, is that probably? Okay, cool. Um, and I like it because like you had alluded to earlier, for me, it's witnessing my mind saying, no, 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 no. Like I know my body loves it. I, I know that, but my mind will be like, no, not the cold shower. So it's a good way to cut that, you know? That's the biggest thing too. It's like my book is called Smash Your Comfort Zone with mm -hmm. Cold Showers because the mind wants to keep you in a comfort zone. It wants to keep you safe. It wants to not have you chase after your dreams and, and, and follow your heart and do all these things. So I, so the cold showers was a big catalyst when I was still working in the nine to five job to like really remind myself of like, I have to do hard things every day in order to get to the other side of where I want to be. And what I mean is you don't have to struggle. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is like, there's going to be things that are uncomfortable. I don't care how spiritual and enlightened you are. Like yeah. there's always expansion and contraction. So you're going to have the valleys, but if you, but keeping these daily practices, like they help me through it all. Like, yeah. oh, I'm like depressed because like the world is like going to end or something because yeah. that's how I felt when COVID first hit. Yeah. And what did I do? I meditated for 30 minutes and I took a cold shower and I reached out to three friends and I, you know, like I just did those practices. So like a cold shower is just a practice amongst yeah. other practices. Um, and a lot of people will say, I'm not doing that. That's dumb. But the thing is, is how many other things have come into your life that were, that could have actually awakened your true potential that you said that about. So I, I would say, give it a chance, do the 30 day trial period or a seven day trial and then move on with your life. Can you yeah. give seven days or something? I think so. So yeah. that's how, that's how I like to call the shower. So if you were to introduce me to something right now on this, on this podcast yeah. episode, and I felt in my intuition that like, you know what, that's going to be challenging, but I'm going to try it for seven days. I would do it. And that's mm -hmm. how I love to do it. I like to trial, to give a trial period of something. And if it doesn't fit, I, I get rid of it. 
but give yeah. it a chance, you know? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I actually did a seven day challenge. It was a different challenge every day, but it was when COVID started and it was just to get people like shaking up. And so one of the days was a cold shower and I had this girl message me and say, I've done every single day, but I cannot do this cold shower. I had a few people message me and say, the cold shower is a no-go. And it's just so funny because it's just the mind, right? And something that you just said that is so important is that- there will always be discomfort, but it does not have to be this struggle. And so when I started my journey or whatever you want to call it, I thought that I would always be in the flow and nothing would be hard and there would be non-resistance and still everything does feel pretty flowy, even the uncomfortable things. But it's so true that it isn't going to be this like gritty tooth and nail thing, right? Like it's just going to be like just discomfort. So when you wrote your book, tell us a little bit about that. When did that read become a goal? Because you had originally written that on your sticky note and then crossed it out. Yeah. Well, so what happened was um, I was, it was actually March of 2017 when I was thinking of leaving the job and I was around, I was around some people who are also already entrepreneurs or they were going to be entrepreneurs. And this person said, hey, who are you? And I was like, well, I'm, you know, I work at Verizon. I'm, you know, I just won a big award. I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, doing some big goals because I didn't even know that I was going to set that goal yet. Yeah. So I was like, I'm thinking of just love, just going bigger at my job and just, and she's like, oh, cool. And she's like, anything else? I'm like, uh, yeah, I take cold showers every day, straight cold. And she's like, why would you do that? And I said, well, because when I take them straight cold, I have to do a ritual before I get in the shower because they're straight cold because I'm in New Hampshire. And then when I come out, there's a ritual when I come out of the, the shower and she's yeah. like, okay. And she, but I'm like, what really it was the catalyst was it helped eliminate my anxiety. Yeah. And like, I don't mean all anxiety. I mean, the anxiety I had, it was just this underlying like separation panic type anxiety that was like not cool. So, so what she's like, Oh my God, I've never heard of that. Can you tell me more? And I started telling her more and she started taking cold showers and she still takes them now. And that was back then. So she started taking the cold showers and she would report it and say, and she, I think she was like 57 mm -hmm. and she was like, Hey, I loving these things. <clears throat> They're helping me. And I just love this. And she said, why don't you write a book? And then I said, my mind said, well, I'm not an author. I don't know how to write a book. I don't know any of that. And then I just said, yeah, okay. I said, maybe I'll write like a short ebook and I'll just like give it away. Yeah. And so I left that. I had set the goal to leave the job, but I left, I left there and, and I got home and, and it was coming in the summertime and I'm like, you know what, let's just write, let's just knock this little book out. And that's yeah. what happened. In three months, I wrote this, this first draft and it was about cold showers and I'm like, cool, that's done. And then what happened was when I was going to go to publish it or release it, mm -hmm. my mind came in and said, who are you? You're not a doctor. You're not an expert. You're not this, you're not that. And I just let the whole thing go for a year and a half. Wow. And I totally let it go. And what happened is I saw that person again a year and a few months later. And she said, hey, how are you doing? Where's that book? And I'm like, and as soon as she said that, I had this, you probably have had this happen before. I had like this piercing in my heart, like, oh my God, if I don't finish that book, I'm deleting it off the computer when I get home. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened. I came home and I said, I'm finishing this book no matter what. I'm going to have these people keep me accountable. And it's happening. And that's what happened. It was August of 20. 18. Yeah. And I said, you know what, this is being published in three months. And that's what happened. So I published it on 11, 11, 2018. Cool. And, 
and that was that. It was just, I set, I set my mind to it. I said, this is what I'm doing no matter what. And I'm not a writer who likes to set a routine. I don't like saying I'm going to write at six to 7am every morning. That doesn't work for me. I have to like find inspiration. So I would go out in nature and I would sit by a river and I would just type and I would just let this thing come out. And then bam, the book came out. It's short. The audiobook is only an hour and six minutes, yeah. but it's, 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 it's the masculine energy mindset I was in at the time that really helped me. And, you know, that's what really worked. And today people still read the book. I just got a quote, um, a review on Amazon. This one really motivated me. Uh, this person, Mark, he says, I'm on day 79 and I'm finding it's the greatest help that I've been through, through this COVID-19 lockdown period. It really sharpens my focus in getting through these troubling times we're all facing. And he goes on, but the, the reality is like, that's inspiring that I trusted my intuition to put a piece of what I do in the world and it's helping. And yeah. I think we all can do that. And that's what I'm here to do is to remind people like, I don't care what your backstory is. There's something inside of you that you can bring out that's going to serve humanity. And look at that. The cold shower habit is something that's helping people. And I, and so what that really means is I got to write a book that's about yeah. <laughs> my story. Right. Yeah. And we all, I believe need to do that. Yeah. But like that one habit, that one habit that there's already other people who do that, but that one habit, I shared it. I figured out how to do it. I published everything myself. I did it all myself. And look at that. It's actually making a difference to hundreds, hundreds, if not thousands of people. And you know, it's so simple, but um, that's how it got written. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And it's actually a good segue speaking of, you know, helping people and what you do. Why don't you tell us, so for, for a background, everyone, Jesse and I were on a scare your soul call two weeks ago, two weeks ago ish. And I was like, wow, what he does sounds so cool. And so I reached out to have him on and you had mentioned that this was actually oddly kind of great in a way for your business. Now, can you tell us a little bit about how it must have went from having a business where you do travel and you do workshops and things like this, and you do all of these different things. What was it like when it first started and how have you been dealing with it for lack of a better word? Yeah. So, so one of the things about a business is people say to you, Oh, you won't make any money for the first five years of business. Well, that's a lie. Yeah. But, but you know, there was all these things that were put into my head and I proved it the first year because the first year of my business, I only made 9,000. My bills were way more than 9,000 a year. And I made 9,000 in the first year. And I was very like, whoa, am I doing the right thing? And then in 2019, last year, I actually did, I did pretty good. And I'm like, okay, cool. But, but I was still like, what am I ultimately going to be doing in 2020? Well, in, 20, in 2019, what I did was I took my facilitation and I finally got to apply it to the population I've been wanting to apply it to in a major way, which was the people in the addiction recovery slash mental health space, the leaders, the leaders in those spaces. I wanted to work with the business owners of recovery community organizations and big councils to help them to connect to their highest strengths, to help them to unlock their strategic initiatives so that they can collaborate and make a better, a better tribe, a better world, a, a better place for people in recovery. That was my vision with Entrepreneurs in Recovery, which I actually never even answered that when you asked it. But my vision was to elevate the lives of people in addiction recovery who are lost, stuck, and lack direction to gain clarity in order to live a life of purpose. Yeah. So that's the mission statement. And so that's and how I do that is I unlock it with questions. I unlock it with choreographies and facilitation. So I'm like an instrument. I go into companies, I go into nonprofits, and I go in and I unlock so that they can actually 
start to work as a tribe together to then get to the next stage of the evolution of their business. Because people like these nonprofits, one might struggle with transportation, another, another might struggle with getting uh, their multimedia set up. So there's all these struggles, but we can unify all of these by bringing in. So here's what happened. Yeah. Last year, I got hired to go into the state of Georgia and work with all of the nonprofits in Georgia that are in the nonprofit recovery space. And they hired me to do an event so that they can get them, we can get them all together to talk to each other and share their goals, share their purpose, share their strengths. Like that's what I'm put on here to yeah. do. And so it happened in December of 2019. It finally happened. 110 people, Atlanta, Georgia. I got to facilitate for three hours choreographing all these conversations. It was very successful. So that, that council said, hey, we're going to give you a grant. We have a big SAMHSA grant. We're going to give you the whole thing. Wow. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so glad I left my job in 2017. This is what I've been waiting for. And then guess what happens? Yeah. COVID. Oh my God. You to do all this work in person. Right. And so, so ironically, the best part is that I had to do the first two events online on Zoom. So I was, that was in January and February. So yeah. I had this experience of taking the 20, 30 organizations yeah. online through a process. And then COVID hits in March that was going to kind of wipe out a portion of what I was expecting. And then I sent an email to them saying, Hey, listen, I can do this online. I can do this online. And they just agreed to let me do it online. So all of the stuff that I was like worried about is all now working and it's all I could do it here with my pajamas on. And obviously I won't do that when I facilitate with them, yeah. but I could do it right from my home. I don't got to travel to Atlanta. Right. I could have all my smoothies, you know, mm -hmm. I don't have to go anywhere. And so it's, it's a gift because now I can facilitate from right here on Zoom. <laughs> and, then, and then when we get back together again, when we're in person, I now have two different, I have another business almost because yeah. now I can trust myself to take nonprofits, companies on the Zoom if they need to remotely, if they're in like, let's say Canada or Germany or and even, even in Florida. Or I can come and show up when we start to be able to, when they lose the restrictions. And so that's the blessing is like, now I get to create a, a virtual training, a virtual choreography of questions to unlock the strength. So it's really opened up a whole new world for me. And I'm working with heart math right now. I'm working with teachers, um, um, unions. I'm working with like, I would never have worked with any of these people because I, I, it, it wouldn't happen. So in the last six weeks, I'm working with all these new exciting companies and it's because of this quarantine yeah. period. Yeah. Oh, that's so amazing. First of all, I'm so happy for you. That's so great. Congratulations that it's still going to be going through and that it's opening all these doors. And really what it came down to is your way of seeing this. Okay. This could either be, you know, oh, woe is me. I was going to get to go to Atlanta and do this, but you're like, no, I can still do this. This is an opportunity. And it's funny because when this this happened, I was meditating one day and I was kind of in like the, okay, what what's the sitch with all of this? <laughs> like what's going on? And I heard it's an opportunity, right? Like it's an opportunity. And I was like, okay, like, and it's just for anyone listening, you know, it's just, it's happening. So how can you make best case scenario? What can you do to make this best case scenario? And so that's how it's unfolding for you now. And that's so exciting. So just for anyone listening who would want to work with you or be a part of Entrepreneurs in Recovery or be in these facilitations, tell us a little bit about how they can get in, into all of this. Yeah. So what happened when COVID hit, I was like, what can I do to give back? Like, what can I do to give back? No yeah. charges, none of that. Yeah. What can I just do and give back in a major way? 
And I decided it would be to run online Zoom workshops for 90 minutes every single week. And now this Thursday is going to be seven weeks in a row. So Thursday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time, I run a 90-minute free Zoom workshop that's highly experiential. And what I do, and sometimes I bring guest speakers on, like I had Hal Elrod on a couple of weeks ago. So what I do is I take people through these workshops that I created in the in-person and now I'm doing them on the online space and it's helping people to literally start businesses, to literally connect to their inner resilience. Because right now resilience to me is like the number one, it's, it's the number one factor right now. It's tapping in and tuning into resilience because it, resilience comes from intuition anyways. We really broke it down, but mm. resilience is huge. And so I'm this Thursday, I have a workshop called building resilience workshop. And, and so what I'm doing is I'm doing these free workshops and what it's doing, it's showing people this, something they've never seen before. Yeah. Like, like the way I choreographed the break, breakout rooms and the things I'm, and the questions I'm asking the way they choreographed, you know, I was trained in, to do this. I, I went through a training called exchange and it, it taught me how to do this. Yeah. And I've been doing it. I've been, I've been training with them for years. And so I've just brought it into the online space. And so these people that show up, I don't even know some of them. And, and, and we just go through this process. So that's what I've been doing to give back. So if people want to know, what I do, you could obviously go to my website, which I'm always updating because I think sometimes, you know, our website and our message needs to keep updating as we keep evolving. And so my website does an okay job of what I do. But if you really want to know what I do, Thursday night at 730, you can come on for free. And I was with my accountant today because long story with my taxes. And she was like, Oh, I'm going to be on your workshop on Thursday night. I'm like, awesome. So like you might have my accountant, you might have an entrepreneur in recovery. You might have a, um, an entrepreneur who's very successful. You might have someone who's early in recovery. Those are the people that come onto this call. And what I do is I'm just an instrument. I just kind of, I choreograph the conversations. People have deep connections and we put them into breakouts and small groups and we have action plans and goals. And it's, it's very, it's, it's very intentional. Like these are actual workshops I design. Yeah. So that's kind of the best way to learn. And then if, if, if we weren't in lockdown, then I would say, you know, to get on a call with me and then I would come and actually facilitate with their community, cool. with their organization mm -hmm. to show them what I can do. And, um, you know, 2020 was going to be the big year for me of, yeah. of getting actual video footage. I, ha I hired an expensive videographer <laughs> right. to videotape me in March for this big event and then COVID hit. So I'm like, interesting. And I was going to use that video to show senators and governors and in different states, like, Hey, we're, we're not moving fast enough to combat the opioid crisis. We're not moving fast enough. Now we have arguably the worst, the highest anxiety of all time is about mm -hmm. to start to happen. The greatest mental health crisis they're saying of all time. If that's true, well then we need people who are the wounded healers yeah. that have been through this to come and step up and help. And so like, that's a call out to all the people who are just sitting around going, what do I do now? I don't have work to do. Well then tap into your intuition and say, how can I serve? And so for me, it's like, I can serve with facilitation for, for people. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so that's, that's kind of, you can start to learn what I do is just come experience one of the workshops for free. Yeah. I don't know how long I'm going to do them for it. This is week seven, you know, if I, if I show up on Thursday night and there's only, <laughs> there's only six people, I might not do many more, but I've been getting 28 people, 32 people, 17 people. And I'm like, Hey, let's do it. Let's have, let's have a good time.
Totally. Well, that actually just inspired me because I was going to release this next week, but now I'm going to roll this out so that when anyone is listening to this, it will be Thursday morning. So I will put the link in the bio so that we can get that going um, so that people can just click it right there. I think that those are the kinds of things right now that people need because on the, you know, the mental crisis, there's that side. And then there's also this great awakening side. Right. And like you said, it's, it's that bridge. How can we bridge the gap between it could go either way? You know, I, we all experience anxiety sometimes or or discomfort or unease and it's which way are we going to go with this? Right. So it's those things that will keep us grounded and keep us going. So Jesse, I do have a question for you that I like to ask people coming on the show and take your time, take as much time as you'd like. I would love to hear. So what is the biggest challenge that you have faced recently? You maybe you're still facing it. And the number one takeaway you have learned from it or are still learning from it? Yeah, so I, I was just talking about this today. Like I so <laughs> on my intention board, I had this picture of Costa Rica. And it's been on there for two years. And I'm like, one day I'm gonna go to go to Costa Rica. I can't wait. And I went to Costa Rica this year, and it happened to be in the beginning of March. And so I was in Costa Rica and I'm literally four hours deep into the jungle, four hours deep into the jungle of Costa Rica. It is an, it was an amazing retreat. It's called the farm of life. It was amazing. And so I come home and all of a sudden there's news breaks about this virus and I'm like, Oh, and then I'm supposed to go to California two days later to, to finish my coaching. I had, I was doing this other coaching certification. I'm like, Oh, I got to go do that. And, and it was in California, which is like a place where it was really starting to you know, get bad. And, yeah. and, and the teacher decided to keep the training. So I, get a, I go to Logan Airport. I get on the 747. There's like 15 people on a 747. I'm like, this is spooky. And I got to California. We had to be six feet. If you sneezed, you had to leave the room. It was really bizarre. Yeah. But we, we, we finished that part of the training. I come back and it's a Monday. I come back on a Monday and I wake up. And I go to my meditation spot and I get slammed with depression. I used to suffer from serious, serious depression. And the depression led to a lot of the using. The Mm -hmm. depression was very, very bad. And I felt the depression I had felt when I was 22. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what is going on? So I... What I did was I said, okay, okay, I know what to do. Let's, let's meditate. And so that's what I did. I did a long meditation. And then what I did, it didn't completely go away. I reached out to a friend or two and, and I felt a little better, but I was really rocked by this. I was like, whoa, I, you know, to, to get through the milestones that we have to get through sometimes and then to feel the trauma come back or depression come back, yeah. it's like the worst thing in the world. And so I thought I had moved past that. And so I got through that. And then two weeks later, came back again. And I was like really scared. It was mm-hmm. like, this is not good because that, that depression is, you know, um, you know, this depression made me suicidal. It, yeah. it, this depression I used to have was, was, was really deep. And so, so then when it came back the second time, I, I, again, I meditated, I reached out to some close friends. I called them my recovery team yeah. and, and you know what? I felt better and you know, it hasn't returned since, but those two moments mm. were very scary because not only was this depression coming, half my income was gone. Yeah. My coaching clients quit and thinking about my mom and thinking about the people that I love, you know, and, 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 and it really came down to death, you know, like mm. the fear of death and all of a sudden and I'm just like, what the hell? And then well, what ended up happening is just like you said, the great awakening. Like mm. I started to realize like, wait a minute, I've been through 
10 times worse than this. I've been through so much worse. And then I started to realize like, wait a minute. And I started to get really focused on serving and serving and serving. And then what ended up happening, I would be getting on phone calls that I never would have got on before because I would have said, oh, I don't have the time. I don't have the time. And I was taking calls from everybody. I was talking to strangers. I'm talking to, and I was loving every connection I was making. Yeah. And then I started, and I still haven't stopped doing that. So that's the biggest lesson is seven weeks ago, six weeks ago when this happened and that depression hit, I let go. And I said, I'm going to serve everyone. Anyone who wants to get on the phone with me, I'm going to talk to, it doesn't matter. And I still do that. And I'm loving it. And that's why all these new opportunities are happening because I let go. I'm literally talking to like, I'm running a workshop next week yeah. for an organization in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. And there, there are people who service the, the, um, the populations with the, with the greatest needs, disabilities. Mm. And, and these people who are serving this population are burnt out right now. They're giving overcare. It's overcare for them right now. So I'm actually running a workshop with them next week. I would have, how did I even get connected in Pennsylvania? <laughs> I'm taking phone calls and emails from anyone. I'm like, yeah, cool. Yeah, let's jump on the phone. And the next yeah. thing you know, I love connection right now. I love, mm -hmm. I used to say, I'm an empath. I need my alone time. Yeah. But now I'm like, no, bring it on. So now I'm, I'm jumping on the phone. So that's my biggest thing is, you know, whatever you're going through, you know, it will pass. This too shall pass. But make sure that you are starting to put in habits in place that you can immediately go to that are going to get you back to the groundedness because I got to get grounded. It's very shaky. I got to yeah. get grounded and you can do that with meditation and yoga and different things. And so once I'm grounded, then if I still need to reach out to someone, I reach out to people that I can share my crazy woo woo esoteric monster vision that I have of the future and they can go, Oh yeah, 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 definitely. That's happening. Like, Oh, cool. <laughs> so, so that's how I stay sane. Mm. And, 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 and that's, and I, it sounds like maybe that's what you do too. It's just, that's how I say staying as I talk to those people that I was talking to before yeah. and we were talking about far out stuff and now it's turning to all be true. All of it's turning out to be true. So it was good about, about that yeah. stuff. I love that. Thank you for sharing that because I know I actually, I used to struggle from really bad anxiety, like visceral anxiety. It was very, it was very strange and I had to really separate myself from that, but also recognize that for me, it was half mental and the expectation of that I would have anxiety. And also it was a lot of my, body was just in flight, fight or flight for so long because I was just perpetuating it. But yeah. And it's just so interesting because you, when this, when something like this happens, it's almost like I didn't get anxiety, but my mind was like, Oh, are we going to, <laughs> is this going to, is this going to be the catalyst that sets you back into it? And it's just having those grounding things. Like every single morning I wake up and I meditate for 25 minutes. And then if I need to do more, I do more, right? Like it's just knowing those things that you come back to, knowing that you could go into, I mean, just, just honestly, the fact that you have that moment of being hit by this depression and you still went into your meditation, that's hard. That's not an easy thing to do. That's the moment. That is the moment where you have stepped back into your higher self because, okay, I'm not going to be taken over by this. So that's yeah. so powerful. Oh my God. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And Thank you. Just thank you, Jesse, so much for, for everything. Can you tell us a little bit, and all of your information will be in the show notes, but will you share your Instagram handle and your website so that someone listening can just do it real quick if they're on their phone? Yeah. My Instagram is jessieharless222. Mm -hmm. My um, website is recoveryfacilitation.com. And if you want to know more about like me personally, you can go to jessieharless.com. Um, but yeah, recoveryfacilitation.com always being updated, but that's, that's where you can learn a little bit about the facilitation work. I do the workshops I do all online right now. I'm doing it all virtually. Um, yeah, that's where you can find me. 
Perfect. And like I said, everyone, I will have all of Jesse's information, both of those links, as well as the link to the Thursday night Zoom call in the show notes. So Jesse, thank you so much. Hey, thank you for having me, Casey. This is awesome. Yes. We'll talk to you guys soon. And there you have it, everyone, my episode with Jesse Harless. Jesse, thank you so much for coming on the show and not only sharing your insightfulness, your wisdom, your information, but also being so open and honest. Vulnerability is the greatest asset we have to allow others to step into being themselves. And it was just so phenomenal to hear someone's story. So thank you so much. As I mentioned, you guys, you can find Jesse's information in the show notes. This episode is being released on Thursday, May 14th. So you can also find the link to the Zoom meeting that he was talking about, that Jesse was talking about and will be hosting. I won't be able to make that one, but I will absolutely be jumping on one soon because it sounds extremely valuable and something, you know, to really keep us on track and mindfully intentional, right? During COVID. So definitely check that out. Also, I meant to say this in the intro, but if you <laughs> if you heard angel chimes, it's because halfway through the interview, like a rookie, my phone alarm went off. My napping, my usual nap alarm went off and Jesse was very nice about it. And we just laughed because why though? And I just wanted to share that in case you were like, wow, <laughs> what's going on? Uh, as for me, as for me, you guys, I will update you in the next solo episode, which will be on love and relationships. Because if you follow me on Instagram, you saw that I'm going through the biggest change I have went through since probably moving across the country. I will fill you more in on that as well as my big business shift. I have shifted into specifically working with a niche of women. And I will tell you all about that in the next episode. If you want to stay up to date with what I'm doing and where I'm at, you can follow me at Casey, C-A-S-E-Y underscore Edward on Instagram. As for the show, if you like what you are hearing and you find value in the show, please do leave a comment and a review on iTunes. I do all this for free and it takes a lot of time and it helps me so much when there are comments and reviews and I really do appreciate it. So thank you in advance. I hope you're having a fabulous May and I will talk to you guys soon.